and welcome everybody to the BMP Weekly episode 165. It is 5th of May 2022. And Fifth? today, well, Nin- 9th of May. It is 9th of May <laughs> 2022. Back to the future. Wow. Anyway, so in the PMP weekly, we talk about the latest in Microsoft 365, um, and uh, we typically have a visitor, and we cover the latest articles from Microsoft and the community. My name is Sosa Juvonen. I'm a product manager. I'm still trying to <laughs> this new title, <laughs> product manager, uh, in the Microsoft 365 platform areas. And with me as a co-host is Valdek. Hi, everybody. My name is Valdek Mastigas, and I'm cloud developer advocate for Microsoft 365 and Microsoft. And at this show... We talk about random dates and apparently seals. <laughs> and seals, that is true. <laughs> in this episode. Yes. In this episode, we talk about seals as well, uh, among other things. So we have Laura Kokarinen uh, joining us from the Finland, uh, from the mid-Finland, pretty uh, pretty close in the areas where those seals are coming from, actually. <laughs> so. If you have no idea what we're talking about, stay tuned for the next half an yeah. hour or so, and you, you will, will learn everything <laughs> But Laura is a, a Office developer MVP um, and has been MVP for quite a long time, active in the community and blogs and does videos and all of that stuff. So let's uh, not delay anything. Let's jump on the interview with Laura and talk about what she's been doing uh, within the past years. Welcome, Laura, uh, joining us on the PMP Weekly episode 165. This is not your first time in the show, actually, uh, but let's do a quick recap who you are and what you've done since. I, I can't remember which... I think Valdek immediately doing <laughs> some I'm, research. Yes, I was like, oh yeah, we're, we're, we're going that way. You're 14. totally going to ask me, so. It was episode Sorry, 14, so 150 ah, episodes ago. So is that three years ago then? Yes, correct. That's, wow. That is, that 14, is a while. that is four years ago, I guess, because yeah. like we do less than 50 a year. So, wow. So, Laura, yeah. who are you? What do you do? Uh, my name is Laura Kokkarinen. I work as a software architect at Sulava in Finland, and I do software development related to Microsoft 365 and Azure. That's about and it. And you're also an MVP? Yeah. Right? Yes, yeah. been an MVP <laughs> yeah. since January 2019. And you're doing, of course, a lot of blogging, and, and you've been starting doing your personal videos as well, which is pretty cool. So Yeah, this one. Let's see yep. when the next one comes <laughs> <laughs> Now, <laughs> can you talk about a bit about uh, what does your job actually do? What, what do you do for, what does the software development does stuff day to day? What does it mean? What do you actually do? Um, well, I have quite a diverse role. So I uh, design software architectures related to Microsoft 365 and utilizing Azure Platform as a Service resources. And I also do software development myself. I haven't wanted to give up on coding because I think it's a lot of fun. And um, I also got this new hat in this big in the beginning of this year that I'm this um, solution area architect at Sulava, responsible for uh, software development offering. So I design our offering and teach our salespeople how to sell it, and also. I'm in charge of our internal processes and our software quality so that we implement things according to best practices and security is handled in our applications. And I'm also in charge of our learning paths. So when a new junior developer comes in, there's like a learning path they can follow depending on what they're interested in. And Yeah. It's part of the information. Is, yeah. is, is there anything you don't do? 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> out of information. It's a lot. Yeah, it's like, like I instantly <laughs> want to ask so many things, right? Because like for for one, Microsoft 365 and Azure is a big space, right? Mm-hmm. Even on 365, you can think about um, old intranets that that we know from the past. You can think more about digital experience or employee experience space, digital collaboration, communication. So which area do you work with or all of them actually? All of them, everything, <laughs> right? Uh, I don't do like basic consulting, if that's what you're asking. Uh, the consultants handle the customers when they can get away with the out-of-the-box products. And when the customers want something more advanced, then they come to speak to us developers. And then we come into the picture and discuss with the customer like what would be the best way to implement what they want. Can you talk about some of the examples? So what what does that mean in practice? Um, what have I had recently? Without saying customer names, yeah, because of course. of course that might be confidential um, or other things. But because we need to remember that M365, as, as well as I said, it's huge. Uh, and then it's like, I do M365 stuff. What's this? Yeah. Uh, well, I recently made a proposal for a customer. They want to archive pages connected to documents. So we could, for example, implement an SPFX extension for the command bar that, and in the background, it would archive the page and the documents into a safe place. Yep. So what would be a safe place? Be. Sorry for trimming same on things. Place. <laughs> same place. Same. Okay. So same place. Safe place would be like a SharePoint document library with yeah. permissions. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about uh, developing on 365, is it? that you're building extensions, so like apps that show up inside 365, like the the command bar extension you mentioned, or do you also build applications that live on a phone, on the web, they're they're run in Azure, and they call back to M365, or again, both? Well, we of course have Microsoft Graph that offers us great ways to integrate with the data that lives in Microsoft 365. And yes, we do also build applications on Azure side that utilize that data. And we, we got your cat on the picture as well. That was good. Okay. So visited on the background. <laughs> yeah, the mailman <laughs> just, just say hi. something. So, and she got really <laughs> excited about that, apparently. So, yeah. I have a guard cat. Yeah. There <laughs> she doesn't bark. <laughs> now on the, uh, the what what kind of sorry that we keep on trading on this but as an yeah. example for Azure side of the house uh, what kind of things um, are are being asked uh, from your company so just an examples of people what what kind of things people are building on Azure side well or integrations with M365 but then using yeah. Azure probably Azure Functions is quite common yeah in our, uh, those are quite common because they are so cheap and small and easy to implement. Um, but we also do like full-fledged applications for businesses. For example, I'm working on one very large project at the moment where we are building this entire system for a customer for their business process. And it's very, very specific. And um, I wanted to give out a go at Blazor with .NET 6. So I'm implementing the UI layer. Uh, using that technology, and a colleague of mine is implementing an API that the oh. user interface and utilizes it and which in then connects to the database. And yeah, is it then connected to the, or is it surfaced through Teams or something else, no, or is this, it just completely not, isolated? This so. is not in any way related to Microsoft okay. 365. Oh. But of course, I mean, we could totally integrate that 
with Teams as well, if we, for example, wanted to send notifications that, okay, this process has now switched from this status to this status and is expecting new input from you. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a very nice idea. We could just to our customers. You're welcome. We are here the whole week. Vesa, um, you mentioned Teams. Uh, Laura, you had a recently an interesting article about building your first bot and running it on Azure. So really like the end-to-end walkthrough. You haven't done anything. You want to build a bot. Here are the different steps you need to take, creating the bot, um, deploying to Azure, and so forth, and so on. How do you... How do you find the experience of building apps or uh, bots on Teams? Well, it's better now than it used to be like a couple of years back. <laughs> and your Teams makes things so much easier. I wouldn't even look at the other ways of implementing bots. Um, but yeah, it can still be a little bit of work to find the right tutorials when you're implementing something, but people are generating more and more content related to that. So it's getting easier and easier every day. And there's also some good Microsoft learning materials these days about Teams applications made by Andrew Connell. So yeah, if someone's looking to start up with Teams development, I would definitely recommend them to check those out. Yeah, and coming um, on your blog, so that's lauracockerinen.com. We'll put it in the, in the, of course, on the on the podcast and video notes. But you, you've been always kind of writing long stories um, yeah. and, and sharing how things are actually being done. So it's not, not a, a small snippet of information. It's like, okay, let's do this and let's do this from scratch and let's do this properly. So the, the latest one being the ultimate beginner's guide to Microsoft Graph. And I guess this is multiple pages long as well. So yeah, really, really, really detailed. 200 words. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Just the fact that, that you know it, it almost <laughs> yes. begs like, is well, that? It says it in like my blog editor. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> I thought, I thought you like, you like you approach it as a writer doing it elsewhere. And like, it came across as the purpose of that was something internal, like you said, internal learning path, because you had to do it for somewhere else. Like, you know what? I have this thing already, and there is nothing NDA about it. So let's everybody else benefit from that too. Is that how yeah. you go about it? or? Um, yeah. Or for example, if I need to prepare a conference talk, I quite often like produce material, and then I think, well, might as well reuse this as a blog post. Clever. I mean, that, that's the, the the best way to go about it, right? Because like, as you said, you already put the time and effort yeah. to do it and not everybody will see your talk and not everybody will be able to attend, join in person, or even not everybody yeah. will be able or want to watch a video. So why not repurpose that and get more, more out of the work you've already done, right? Yeah, and you can still talk about the same topic later because not everyone wants to read the blog post. And while they are at a conference, especially now that we get in-person conferences, they have the week time for learning and they can see that, okay, now I have this one hour time. I want to learn about craft. Let's go to Laura's session and learn everything about it. And that is an interesting thing thing you mentioned, right? Because you, you, you said that when there are events, folks get carved out time to learn. And you mentioned also that um, in the place you work, like, you know, somebody else, somebody new joins and they follow a learning path to basically get ramped up on the topic of their work, right? Yeah. How do you, how do you see that evolve? To what extent do we really need to have in-person events because they are more of a blocker you can put on calendar and you don't need to do any work and everybody knows you're away and you get that time to learn 
or is there another way that would still allow folks to learn more asynchronously on their own terms while doing work? Well, I think both have their own place. Why not do both? I think well, the question is, do they work equally? <sighs> well, <laughs> um, when you have projects, you probably need to learn something very specific. So, of course, study the skill set that you need for your project. Um, but at conferences, you might want to look at things that are not immediately translating to your current projects and learn about wider range of topics. And that definitely gives you the time slot that I'm dedicating this week to learn. And otherwise, people might not do that because they are pri prioritizing project work. And I'm not sure if all people are even allowed to study like during work hours. Or are they able to study at home? And of course, live events are also for other things than learning. At least I get a ton of energy from them for my work. So like if you need more inspiration and like an energy boost, like to get excited about your job again, then conferences also do that. You are able to make uh, new friends there. And it's just also about more things than just learning. Yeah, I think there's always benefits and in both options for sure and i guess we'll see more and more well first of all we should be considering the remote conferences not as a copy copies of in-person conferences because i still don't understand why are we keeping the same model for many of these remote conferences what we do mm -hmm. in in person because it just doesn't make any sense um and then um of course there's room for both uh, so basically optimize remote and then in person because even though we as a fin like right laura we are pretty shy and on the meeting people is always interesting, uh, but it's it's still interesting to actually meet people. It's it's a mm. different thing than watching people through video lens. So yeah, you can talk you about, about off-topic stuff as well. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, we wouldn't just randomly start talking about completely off-topic stuff in the in the teams, most likely. Maybe. Every now Why and not? Topic, right? I'm not? I'm not. I'm like, okay. Where is this going? Let me. Let's learn. <laughs> but still, it's not the same. Like for yeah. us humans, when we just see a video of another human, than actually being there in person. I guess it produces different chemicals in our body. That's it a pretty, is. It is. pretty analytical way of saying that. <laughs> well, but it is. It is. It is the way. Like there is research that shows that that is indeed the case, right? That we we react differently to a video of someone, even if it's live, to a, a person in person. Yep. Right. Mm, absolutely. So, and I think it's also an interesting thing like, to see. Like we've seen benefits of um, making video or making events online because they're more inclusive, right? Like we allow people to take part from places on earth that maybe they couldn't, weren't able to afford or weren't able to join for political reasons or whatever reasons there are, and now they can join. But the question, but I think we still haven't really cracked the format, right? Yeah. Like it's still, it's like, it feels like um, second choice in a way. Well, we couldn't do it in person, so we do this, and we kind of know that it's not perfect, but it's the thing we can do now, right? And yeah. now that things open up, I think we kind of have this dilemma where, well, we could get back to in-person, but then we realize more and more and more something that I think we weren't as aware of in the past, that we are going to exclude an, that group of folks again, because if we go back, like, so I think we're kind of just more like, okay, 
how do we go about it now that we're aware that there's a bigger audience? And yes, we want to we want to upgrade the experience in a way to that in-person um, feeling, but at the same time bring everybody along. And I guess that there's like we still don't have an answer to that, Laura. I don't know if yeah, you have it's, it's... an um, um, an opinion on that. Well, you could always record the sessions. At least then people would get the content. But of course, if it's just like um, delivered after the event, then they can't quite as well ask questions. But of course, yep. live streaming is also an option. And maybe there could be a chat and a moderator answering the questions and asking um, or at least like uh, presenting the questions to the person on the stage. And I guess that's that's always a difference between if it's a Microsoft as an example, if it's Microsoft organized and coordinated conference, and then the, it's not intended to make money. So it's intended to actually share information. If it's, however, a privately organized conference, there is an interest, not necessarily to make money, but at least get to even on the costs. So for those it's more beneficial to get people in person. And then the question is, what is the special thing of being in person versus remotely if we will broadcast the thing live as well? It's an interesting dilemma, though. Uh, I guess there's, a, there's multiple ways of doing this in the future. Uh, one way of, of also something which we talked with Wale, and I guess we can talk about this one in here as well, is that, of course, as an example, Build and Ignite, those are big bang conferences, and they're kind of a cool a lot of things happening in three days and all of that stuff. But as we have been remotely for three years or two years, why do we need to stack 80 sessions or 90 sessions throughout two days or three days time booking? Why aren't those scattered throughout the year? Why isn't two days and every two hours in every single week for some big announcements? Why do we announce 800 new things? This is the new shiny thing. No, this is this is this is on the same day. That would get more attention months. and hype does instead it? of it does being it every everyday thing. But that, but the question is, and does it? If we announce 800 new items, from those 800 new items, I can imagine five will be the new shiny, really main attention across the tech blockosphere and all of that. 800 and whatever, 795, they were announced as well. Are they actually being discussed? I don't know. But it's it's an interesting kind of a. Should we change the model or should we have this Big Bang way of thinking things? So anyway, it's an interesting. If you had a million and you could do anything, would you do that or would you do something else? And if well, so, what? Yeah, so personally, <laughs> I'm a big believer of a continuous uh, announcements and continuous flow of information because, again, it's not like the three days in the in the uh, whatever conference is happening. It's not that people can allocate those three days from their family and work life and being remote to that conference. That just doesn't happen. And and also quite often what happens is that there's like 25 different blog posts across the different blog platforms, which are saying new in building for this feature and this feature and this feature and this feature. And then there's the, the whatever book of news in build, which has 800 new announcements and it's like well really rather than just sharing new announcements gradually and keeping the excitement ongoing rather than waiting for those big moments but again matter of opinion event as well thoughts of course i'm completely silent <laughs> how what, yeah. what do you think about this laura what is your uh. Do people okay. have time to constantly stay on track? Well, I guess if you order like a RSS feed and check through that like once every couple of weeks, yeah. Is it easier like, than anyway? It, it, there's no I like big conferences. I want them back. <laughs> yes, 
Yes. In person. Yes. The proper in yeah. person, yeah, large yeah. conference is 25,000 in Orlando. Mm. Miss those mm. times. <laughs> fun. Yes. Yeah, I think I think I think like if if I think back to the last few times I got to attend one, really the value that I got was the expo hall and the hallway talks with everybody yeah. whom I knew. Like the yeah. big talks, you know, like you go to a room, packed room, huge room. Like, do you really want to sit here an hour? Like, if it's a topic you're interested in, you probably, like, for one, maybe you know a lot already and there are other ways to learn it. But, I mean, like, sure, it's still, it gives you the ability to, you know, be there in a room and listen to the person who is the expert and talk about it. But, like, personally, to me, the value add was really in the, uh, the expo hall, the hallway track, as it's called, you know, where you get to talk to folks you know or maybe even new folks and then you get to you know like you get the kind of off track talk like hey what do you work on and then from one thing goes to another and then you learn things that aren't on the agenda you know that aren't really the typical topic but are very much interesting too right so it was always interesting to look back and it's like, like i went to this event i haven't seen a single talk but it, it it was invaluable, right? So like, yes. why was it there, right? Well, yeah. because that, because you got to meet people in person, you got to have lunch, you had drinks in the evening, dinners, and like you made a connection. And I think that that is really, that is really the, the hard part of doing virtual events. Like that, yeah. we cannot yeah. replicate that, yeah. no. right? It's impossible. Even and those not connections that you make, things. Yeah. you can connect to those people later ask for yeah. advice, perhaps even to projects together. So it can also have like a business impact. Yeah. 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 And also, uh, I guess another thing that is hard is time zones, right? Because like, I believe mm -hmm. like, sure, if we are in the same kind of time uh, span, we can, we could virtually meet for drinks in theory or, you know, agree on, on time. But otherwise, it's like if, if it's 9 a.m. your time and it's 5 p.m. for me, that's kind of odd to because it's like my day is already gone. Yours is about to start. And for any but you can tell thing, like, what's going to happen throughout the day for the other one because yes, absolutely. You're in the future. No. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Like this day was totally uneventful. So again, it's hard. <laughs> like that makes also it's one of the things that I that I experienced working remotely is that that's also one aspect that makes it harder to connect yeah. across the world, right? Because like, sure, if everybody's at home and we, we kind of, we level the field that we give everybody equal chance to connect, that's fine. But then there's also this aspect of time where, well, I mean, like my team personally at Microsoft spans all the way from Hawaii to Australia. There is virtually, there's not a single time in a day that we can have a common meeting within work hours. It's just physically yep. impossible, right? So whatever work hours actually means nowadays, Adam. Well, yeah, but I mean, reasonably speaking, okay, you want people to sleep at night because that's the way the bodies are yep. wired, you know? Yep. Uh, um, so yeah, it's hard to find really time to connect. So we try to, you know, be mindful of that and split the meetings that we have in halves where we have an, one series for folks on one side, side of the globe and then the other one for another. But it's it's really hard, right? And I, like, at the end of the day, we think about, well, we need maybe to fall back to in-person offsite. 
but what if next week we have somebody new who will join and there is no offsite for another year? Sure. What's the experience for that person, you know? And how can we do better with that? I did, yeah. So classic discussion for sure. We are in this progress of transforming the way of working to be more remote and more time zone independent and more async, which I know Waldeck is one of your favorite uh, topics for sure, um, because it has to be. And, and, and then that enables people to be able to work across the world and from wherever they are located and hopefully built on the on the same objectives uh, like it should be something something which actually talks related on this one something about what I, I i spotted last week in the linkedin there was a one ceo of one company said that oh there was a great idea in the in in one company's um, signature which says it told their time zone so even externally within the companies you would know where are their what is their time zone which That's is an excellent idea. yes yeah. that is a good idea but then actually for example in my case it makes no sense. It has no value whatsoever because my time zones don't define my working hours. My working well, hours you. are not from nine to five because they're completely different. So what I've actually said now in my, based on this, in my signature is now says my working hours in UTC hmm. because then that helps on defining the objectives. So because one thing what I noticed actually, which is always a bit awkward is that somebody schedules a meeting like 9 a.m. Pacific time. And then they always like, oh, we're so sorry for the late evening and late meeting for you. I was like, no, well, no, this is, no, this is not late. This is a perfectly normal working hours for me. I just had yes. lunch at that time, so. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it almost like makes me even feel bad because they they feel like, sorry about having me in a meeting. I'm like, well, that no, don't, no. It's it's an interesting, and of course, I know that I'm a bit of an exception. Uh, so most of the people do have life. So you know, but <laughs> <laughs> it's easier when you don't have any friends. <laughs> Thank you. Today we learned none of us, none of us is yeah. as friends. No. On that bom bombshell. Who's that guy? <laughs> yeah. I'm well, we'll be we'll be meeting a few people uh, in person later this week, uh, even so, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So. so. Yes. Stuff happening. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Apparently, I'm I'm You're not, not among invited, friends, so, so okay. yes, so it's okay. I'm not among friends, so. <laughs> There is that. <laughs> no, different. Uh, they, they, um, so I guess we can say this. Irvin is, is in town as well because of our business. Irvin Van Hoonen is in business in town. In which town? So we'll be in which town? In, in, in Helsinki. Okay. In Helsinki. So we'll be catching up with with a small group of people, yeah. so, which is good. So it's good to be actually going to a dinner with a friends and working friends and and, and catch up. So. Will you go about it? Like, do you, you still know that we do? More often, Walter. Yes, absolutely. I can jump on a plane. I just saw yeah. thin air fly over, so I can just hop, 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 hop on. Yeah. No, no, jump on it. You know, they have this hook. You can just like put up a balloon, and then they will just like pick you up. It's two-hour flight to Amsterdam, so it's two and a half. So you know, nothing. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, but then with the whole. Travel, checking in, going in, like it's like you lose the whole day, true. basically. True. That is true. That's true. I was just scheduled, uh, confirmed uh, a visit in Redmond for uh, for uh, in June, and it's it's just 
mind-blowing. It's been two and a half years since I've been in Redmond. And then you need to start checking ESTA and a password and everything else. It's like, can I get in? Can I get Yeah. (laughs) All of this complexity of international travel starts again. But, you know. (laughs) But, again, objective of meeting people in person. So we do need them. So for sure. Now, uh, from a timing perspective, Alora, uh, we're going to put you on the spot. And the uh, cat, what's the cat's name? Yeah, she was meowing and wanting attention. So Yeah. What's what's her name? Uth. means Uth. baby seal. Baby seal, yeah. Yes. She was white when she was born. A specific like a baby, baby seal. seal. It's an internal uh, lake baby seal in Finland. So. Wow. <laughs> you even have different baby seal words? Yeah. Yes. Why? Because there's a specific. specific this yeah, this yeah, but I mean, like, why? seal is a super endangered, and it's located only in the in the lake area of Finland. Okay, so, so this like one you don't have. 400, 300. Basically. No, definitely not. So okay. You, you, okay. Yes. Well, but and I mean, like, the, I can imagine the word stems from a time where you could hunt it. I guess so. Yes. Yes. So why the difference? Why why special? No. I, I don't mean, know. like like if if you think about like Eskimos, <laughs> right? Like they have so many different words for snow because like like their their life depends on it because yep. you know can you walk on it can you like is it thick or thin we have or all so of those like, things as well yes exactly so why <laughs> but I mean why like do, does one type of seal attack differently or behaves differently or I, mean, I, I guess the most of the seals in Finland are the, those inner lake seals uh, I don't I guess we might have something in and don't we have anything in sea side yeah sea of course yeah. Yeah. But Lake Saima, um, the seals were trapped there after Ice Age. Like it used to be connected to sea, but then after Ice Age, it got it became a lake, and that's why the seal is its own species because they have been um, evolving there for such a long time. Yeah, <laughs> PMP Weekly, the show where you learn yeah. random, most random things. Like the other day, we talked we talked about the weather. Now we talk about seals. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah anyway. That's not that <laughs> now, Laura, and you as an MVP, as a, uh, a community member, active person on things, can you, uh, if there's a new um, people walking in and looking into coming to be an MVP or coming part of the community, what would be your like three tips, if possible, to get started? Or how to focus or how would I, how would they reach to the people or should they just ping Waldeck and say, hey, help me? Or what would be the things how did you um, came to be an mvp well i wanted to start a blog for a really long time i used to work with sharepoint on-prem originally and um back then i thought that no one wants to read about this because it's such legacy tech <laughs> sorry <laughs> but when i uh, moved to work with my current employer and started working with the cloud platforms i figured that now would be a good time and then I set up my blog and it became really popular. And through that, I also got to speak at conferences. That was a challenge that I wanted to do. And yeah, by doing those things, um, I became an MVP. But really, it's about figuring out what's the kind of thing that you want to do. Like, how do you want to contribute to the community? Because if you want to become an MVP, it takes a lot of work. So the work should be something that you also enjoy. 
because it's yep. also something that you would probably be doing in your leisure time and yeah it should be fun so there's different ways to contribute like do you want to code and publish uh, open source on github that's one way um, you can contribute to the documentation blog make videos uh, speak at conferences answer to people's questions on stack overflow and uh, even on social media platforms so yeah like figure out the way that you want to contribute and keep at it. Consistency yep. takes and, quite a while. And don't drop it whenever you get the MVP status as well. <laughs> yeah. And if you get tired, don't give up, but instead take a break. Yeah. That's true as well. That is true. Completely fine to take breaks as well and take a few months and silent time. And and one thing what reminded me on on your blogs and, and the writings, what you do in your blog, it's it's actually really good for um, architects and, and um, people who are defining softwares and requirements and have customer-facing documentation because as you write for your blog, you will keep on improving your writing skills all the time. Um, and that's something what, for example, my, my skip manager, Adam Hamitz, always talks about within his writing, says that he writes and he forces himself to write so that it will make him better because again consistency and practice will improve yeah. the skills at first producing something like blog posts and videos is a very time consuming task but as you do it more often it becomes you get this kind of a process and routine yep. and it gets yep. easier so easier. if you're totally tired after your first article or whatever just take a break take, make a new one and Another one and another one, and it will get easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, by the way, there's nothing wrong with SharePoint on-prem. I, I just last week I found my old blog, and my first blog post is from 2007, if I remember correctly, and it was about feature framework navigation controlling of SharePoint uh, publishing feature using the feature framework and documenting that. Out. So, just for smiles. Anyway, so um, it's good to find those old blogs and, and, and articles and then be like, oh, I've, I've written this. Oh, okay. <laughs> practice, 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 practice. Good. Um, any any last words? What are, What's happening uh, this week or upcoming weeks? Anything interesting, Laura, on your table? You don't need to talk about customer names or anything, but the, num hmm. the, the most exciting things what you're working right now. Uh, well, I'm making a proposal and I need to make this kind of a application security recommendation for one solution. And then I'm traveling, meeting colleagues physically. It'll be fun. So those are kind of my highlights this week. Cool. Waldek, what about your highlights? Anything interesting in your time? Um uh... Let me see. Besides a lot of in, in, <laughs> internal stuff, yeah, it's, it's the time of the year that I got myself in this place where I would start a number of things. None of them is done. And now it's kind of, you know, the last five steps on all of them. So I have like a little bit of work to do here, a little bit of there, a little bit of here, a little bit of there. I have no time left and nothing is done. And I was like, <laughs> how? And it's all internal. So it's nothing really, uh -huh. yeah, I'm going to do this or I'm going to, I'm doing the research on that. Like, no, 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 I, I need to finish stuff. So this week, I hope that I will be able to finish some things at least to get some more air. Um, but yeah, like there's nothing really new that I'm looking into yet because like I see this pile of work that I want, that I need to do to be done with it. Um, and like the, the last week we had an event that we organized with, yep. with few MVPs. 
Yep. Exactly. And, and with that, I was like, okay, so that thing is done. But I still don't have any room left. Like, still, I, there's still stuff I need to finish <laughs> first, right? So, um, so it's just a regular, you know, uh, rhythm of work where we work on CLI, we work on UPRs. Uh, we will have uh, an announcement to make around CLI this, this week. So uh, stay tuned. Um, it's not going away. There's nothing bad going on. Like, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> yes. yes, it is. Like, we think it is. We think it's great. Um, so we will share that. Other than that, still working, working towards finishing stuff, really. Yeah. Yeah. And getting ready. The build announcements are coming pretty soon as well. In, in my side, nothing too traumatic either. It's it's more on polishing, catching up, and 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 um, thinking the next steps. And like I said, we are in that time period of the year where most of the stuff is should be already kind of done. The most critical ones, um, and then it's just a matter of okay, executing, executing. Community calls, of course, happening all the time, and all of that, getting that, those processes um, even more polished. Uh, but nothing too traumatic. So. I can't come up with anything interesting this week. What's happening? Waldek, Waldek, we need to have something. What? Yes. Yeah, I mean, so you're <laughs> it's, working it's probably a... on a new version of SPFX. You're yeah, that's part true. of that. Yeah, that's fair. So that's, that's coming. There's some Visual Studio Code extension work being done here and there, multiple teams, all of that stuff. So there's really cool stuff in pipeline. Yeah. But... I'm working still on this thing that I think we mentioned it a while back, right? That we think we see a lot of things that Everybody can do on Microsoft 365. You know, there are different building blocks, SDK tools and whatnot, kind of to the point where you cannot see the forest through the trees, if there is even an expression in English, but you know what I mean. Like, it's just so much that you don't, you see all of that or may, maybe not. And then you're like, okay, but what is the big picture here? Like, what are, yep. how are the elements related to each other? Where, which one fits, right? So yep. we're working to offer developers or everybody uh, really something to visualize it and better find their way, their way through the maze. So of like M365, we, we yes. talk, talked about it a few times, time, times already. So that's coming hopefully soon. We're working on that still. Uh, this is also for those who are not well-versed in Microsoft, the way we are organized. This is also the eval time at Microsoft, so everybody looks back at the past uh, semester, what we've done, what could have done better, what went well, so reflecting on that, so that takes also some time to uh, for us to think about, think through and plan, look, look back at the past half year and think forward about the upcoming time, yeah. um, so that is also in progress, um, yeah, and, and also... I think it's also another exciting thing. Like, what is it? What are the big rocks that we could take on for the coming half year or a year? Right. And maybe there's also a question to our audience, to like all the two people or five who listen or watch. Uh, like, <laughs> what's on your mind? That well, like, okay, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> perfect. Right. So, like, is what's on your mind? Where do you think we could help you? Uh, we at Microsoft or we community or we everybody, like what is it when, when it comes to Microsoft 365 platform and all the work included, samples, docs, discovering new things, what's new, staying up to date, what could we simplify? What could we improve? If you have any ideas or questions, requests, do reach out to us. That yep. le 
share your thoughts with us. And who knows, maybe we'll be able to make a meaningful dent with that. Notice how, by the way, Wildex started this five minutes ago, this discussion that, yeah, there isn't that much running here and there. Then this one, this one, this one, this one. <laughs> but that's the way it feels like. It doesn't feel like anything. And then when you give it a thought, you're like, yeah. you have this pile of unfinished stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's, it's, as there's no specific deadlines during this week, it feels like, what? what? Yeah, nothing. No... <laughs> I'll, I will work the whole week and nothing will be done. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Laura, for joining us. Uh, really Thanks. cool to have you on the on the discussion. Uh, good to catch up. Um, we'll meet actually later this week, which is mm -hmm. pretty cool uh, in person as well. Um, but uh, thanks for sharing uh, your thoughts and what's happening from your side as well. And the tips. Tips are really good for the, those because there's always people who are looking into getting to be an MVP and, and understanding how this actually works. So. It was nice to be here again. Thank you for inviting you. me. Thank you. Excellent. And then we'll jump on the, the weekly articles right from here. And thank you, Laura, one more time joining us. Really, really cool uh, to catch up and, and uh, looking forward to actually meeting you in person as well, which is cool. Uh, we're catching up with a few people like we talked during the interview later this week, which is pretty, really cool. But uh, let's jump on the articles and then uh, we'll we kind of did the weekly summary already, what's happening. So uh, let's actually jump on the weekly articles and have a look on what's happening from the blogosphere. So we'll start with a, uh, the SharePoint block. Uh, so from the Microsoft uh, official box, there wasn't that much huge amount of new blog posts. Um, but on a SharePoint site, uh, there was the standard monthly summary from Mark Cashman, which walks through all of the different capabilities and features uh, from SharePoint and the related technologies, like for example, Viva Topics and Viva Connection and so on. So there's multiple, multiple, multiple products nowadays which are based on OneDrive and SharePoint, but are not actually exposed to say uh, new feature and new capabilities, but a lot of, lot of new stuff in here as well. And, and a great blog post summary uh, from Mark listing all of the different features and capabilities, what has happened, a lot of, lot of stuff, which is great for sure. Cool summary and really great way of keeping up to date on, on what's happening together with the Microsoft Teams monthly summary. So if you read those two in once a month, you're pretty much up to date on what's actually happening from a feature side. Now, the second article was from the Power Apps community. Exactly. So there is a chance for you to win this awesome Power Platform branded backpack. For those who listen to us, there is a Power Platform branded backpack that we're showing on the screen that which you can win. All of that, all of it is required for you to be eligible is to record a video where you share your journey into Power Platform, what has changed, how it's affected you. There is a link that shares more info about the rules, but it is available now. And no matter whether you want a backpack or not, it's really cool to share story of your own, how you, you went through it and basically inspire others because yep. there are many people who might be for whom it might help, right? And because you went through that, there's a chance that somebody else might be going through exactly the, the same. So share your experience, where you came from, how you are, where you, where you are, how, how you work with Power Platform, and who knows, you might be one of the lucky 150 winners, 75, 70, 75, 75 winners. Yes, yes. yes. That is true. So that's that's uh, really, really cool. Um, and a great initiative from Power Apps and Power Platform side of the house for sure. And, and a key point here also was to shout out to the person who helped or inspired you along the way, which is actually a great way of showing appreciation yes. uh, for the other people. Because I, I guess all of us have our 
people we've been following throughout our careers and and they have helped us hopefully to be successful on where we are right now really cool and a cool idea for sure um related on community side of the power apps and power platform they also had this great blog post which is around six people who changed their career with low code from power apps so basically story stories related on real people and how they started using the low-code, no-code platform and how that has then changed uh, their career um, one by one walking uh, through those people. Really, really cool uh, blog post as well. Now, then we had <laughs> Heather Newman <laughs> had a blog post on something which we actually talked about in a, in a few of the conferences already, but it's good to recap what this is all about. Exactly. So a while ago, I think a few weeks back, we announced at Microsoft this new initiative around community. And the idea is that how can we at Microsoft help community grow and thrive? And that means that we don't own anything, but we are here to help you run events, provide you with resources, connections, and whatever to help you thrive, connect with other like-minded folks. So this article goes into a little bit of depth behind that initiative, what's the idea, how we want to go about it, and how you can also engage with us. So if you are a part of community or you want to start one or there is one in your um, network, uh, let us know. Reach out to us and let's talk more about how you, we can make it more impactful. How Microsoft can help you to be succeed on the community side for sure. And then, of course, you can also sign up for the community advisory board. Uh, so there's a, a registration uh, on that one as well. So basically, we're looking for people outside of Microsoft who are running community events and organizers thing, and then they can provide us input on how they do things as well. Really cool stuff. Thank you, Heather, on that. Now, we also had a blog post from Louis Fries uh, related on how to contribute to this blog. And this is the Microsoft 365 Platform Community Blog, um, which is opened for contributions and open for blog posts. And, and now that this blog uh, has been moved or relocated, relocated from the tech community to a GitHub platform, it is much easier to actually do the contribution. So you can just uh, create a blog post and submit a pull request and we'll help you with a, a, a sharing and scaring initiative sessions to make that happen. So if you're looking into writing something or maybe you have an article, but you want to expose that also from the platform community blog, you can do that as well. So that's absolutely open. And Louis Afriis is talking about how to make that happen one by one. So really cool stuff. Thank you, Louis, on that. Then we had from Laura, uh, we talked about Laura's long blog posts uh, in our interview as well, right? Yes, exactly. So this is a new article from our guest, which is the ultimate beginner's guide to Microsoft Graph. And it, the cool thing about it is it is long. It is a lot. But it's one page that takes you all the way through basically the high one article, level one article, basics. Not one page. <laughs> It's well, kind of a web page. Web page. pages can sure. be really long. It's a long page. Fair. It's one article, one page, one really long page, right? That takes you through all the basics that you should know about the Microsoft Graph. The name, the structure, how you call it, the headers, everything in, in single place explains basically the same way that, well, you would explain to a new developer on your team. Imagine somebody new joins. They want to connect to Microsoft 365. How do they go about it? Well, there is this yep. API. Here is a single article that explains all of that 
A to Z in a way, yep. right? Yep. So, and I guess there are also um, references to other locations that are that are meaningful. So, this is definitely a great, great article uh, to bookmark, even. Absolutely, absolutely. Really, really cool stuff. Thank you, Laura, on that one. Now, um, then Chris Kent had the series related on uh, binary value comparison and conversions uh, in the Power Apps, uh, really, um, which he's been working on a certain amount of demos. We actually showed that last week. You were in that call, right, Molly? Anyway, anyway. <laughs> I might have been, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, to talk about how do you convert binary to integer uh, and, and so forth and moving the binary values because now every now and then you need to do that within a power apps. And it's a bit of a challenge, uh, but he's talking through uh, how it can be actually done and what are the learnings and how to do mapping and all of that. So really good, good uh, three article uh, blog post series on that particular technical challenge in the power app platform. Now, then we had a blog post from uh, Veronique Langel. Yes, and I guess this is about how you can share files stored in SharePoint in review mode only. Yeah. Really so you basically want to have link that only allows folks to open the file, but not to be able to edit it, right? So that, or actually, no, it is allowing edit it, but in review mode, right? So yep. tracking changes and all that is is enabled, right? Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. And then you don't need to publish the article before you can actually send it for review. Yeah. So so that's kind of the key point here. So there's no public article first and then you send it to review. You can actually review that before you publish that in a wider yeah. audience, which is actually really cool. The, the sharing feature is, is getting better and better all the time, which is awesome. And it's getting integrated, um, not only on SharePoint, but also on Word and all of the other things as well. So super, super, super cool stuff. So thank you, yeah. Veronique, on explaining that. Then we had a blog post and short blog post from Alex Tadamov. Yes, I'm saying. I'm just well, it's all the way on the chat. top. Yeah, yeah, but it's son of Alex, uh, Alex A. So, <laughs> you know, Alex is, anyway, yes. Alex is working in Valo, Valo Solution in, in Finland, so um, well connected. Um, but he talks about exporting SharePoint online lists with their content to BMP template and using the BMP PowerShell. And this is actually super, super valuable if you need to move, for example, information into lists to from one list to another site, which has a list or create the list as part of the creation. You can actually do that and you can export the content within the list or library as well. So, or move a list be between tenants. Yeah, or move a list across to tenants or, or include a list and content as part of your generic templates, which you use for provisioning your solutions and all of that. So really cool, uh, simple blog post of explaining how to do make that happen using the BMP PowerShell. So super, super cool stuff. Now, on recording 365, there was a new blog post on, on Waldeck. What was this all about? Yes. Arrived and uh, delivered in April 2022. So uh, Daniel and Daryl have a regular show where they go through the, the message center on Microsoft 365. And what is the message through... center? What is the message center? What is, sorry. It's the, the place. <laughs> it's the place where it's Microsoft 365 place. tenant admins <laughs> can learn what's coming to their environment, yeah. what's changed, what's coming, where, and they can get more info about new features and updates that will affect their, their environment. And in this yep. episode, Daniel and Daryl go through what's new in April. Yep, yeah, really cool. And, and to be fair, the, the message center is one of the super most, I would say, well-known or, or 
it's known secret, but still people don't quite use it. But because from there we can always say what's coming really super clearly. So having oh, yes, but Daniel and yeah, yeah, Daniel I think having, the interesting part part there is right that it's only available to admins. Yes, so if exactly. you are a business owner who owns a part of your collaboration environment or internet, well, you are affected by it because you need Correct. to communicate changes, Correct. but you don't get the access to it. So that's yep. a really interesting part. Yeah, absolutely. Something maybe we should be adjusting maybe in the future, who knows? But but again, this show is now in episode 238, and the whole point of this show is to do summaries on what has been actually happening and announced uh, from the message center. So super, super valuable show uh, from Daryl and Daniel. So thank you for keeping consistently releasing this. So super, super valuable for everybody. Now, uh, Paolo Pialorossi had a new video related on using BMP list view control in SPFX solutions. So the BMP list view control is part of the BMP React list view control packages targeting SPFX solution. Um, and, and it's a quite, quite, quite actually versatile uh, functionality, which gives you flexibility on showing information in the list view formats. Um, it, it really simplifies development because you can just basically say, hey, show this information, which I have this here in array. And it has a lot of flexibility. I'm trying to find a, a good example of uh, flexibility on sorting and adjustments and all of that stuff directly within the control. So super easy to use and, and super intelligence. Cute. And then Shane had a new video. Exactly. And this time he goes about, or he's going, he talks about Power Apps search and filter function with SharePoint and apparently workarounds because there are apparently quite a few things or a few things that do not work the way you would expect them to. So in this video, Shane talks us through what would you like to do, how it how it works, how you would expect it, what isn't doesn't what doesn't really work the way you would expect it to, and how you can go about it. So this is a really yep. interesting article if you need anything related to search in your Power App. Yep, absolutely. And then the last video is, is also from Power Platform side. It's from Riza Dorani. Um, he's having a lot of, lot of great videos uh, frequently published uh, in his YouTube channel as well, uh, which is around introduction to Microsoft Dataverse in Power Apps. So what is it? How does it actually work? And what is the benefits of using that? So really, really cool uh, uh, video on that. So relatively short as well to get up to date on, on the possibilities with Dataverse. But that's it for this week. Uh, we already went through uh, what's actually happening with in this week, uh, which is, it's a weird week. Yeah, there's this, this, this business as usual. It's been a while since this is happening, so which is actually kind of cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's not a critical thing. There's no deadlines as such. Sure, community goals and everything else, but it's, it's, it's a bit of a wow. So, Yeah, we have time to actually do work. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Anyway, thanks for thanks everybody for watching and thanks Laura for joining us this week. Uh, we'll be back uh, within the next PMP week and within a week. Right? I guess that's yes, in the name. Because it's a PMP week. Yes, what's in the name, right? <laughs> Excellent. Thank thanks you everybody. Thanks. See ya. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye.